Hello from Yerushalayim and Beit Shemesh. It's been Yamin Rose and myself, Gedalia Gutentag, with Mishpachah's home front, covering Israel's biggest conflict in a generation. Hello, Binyamin. Hello, Gedalia. So, IDF forces are finally in Shifa Hospital. Not around, not encircling, but actually inside. And from the news, the kind of drip, drip of news that's emerging, they were in an overnight, they started in raiding some complexes on the edge of the buildings that were not housing patients. But now it's clear we have reports, they're actually inside going from floor to floor, installed scanners with facial recognition technology to actually, you know, track, I presume from a terrorist database, who is a legitimate patient, who is Hamas. And as ever, the operation seems to have started at night. We're seeing that's the main action, uh, repeatedly the pattern in this war. At night, the forces go into action. The heavy fighting starts. It's fast moving, Benjamin. We don't know a lot about it. I'm sure that will be the wider later in the day. What's your take so far? I think that the uh, real omission or error of omission in the process at this point is we're not hearing anything about what's going on underneath the hospital because that's supposedly where... Hamas has all its terrorist infrastructure lined up. So the question is, are the IDF operating also underneath the hospital? Have they successfully penetrated the bunkers uh, where Hamas uh, command headquarters are supposedly held? Have they captured any terrorists? Have they captured any intelligence information? Have they found any of the hostages? So far, these are all question marks. So. I think there's a lot more that we don't know than we do know at this point. Again, it's early in the day. And we also don't know how long this operation is going to last. Uh, we also know that the IDF has gotten pressure from the American administration in advance. And they're saying, don't bomb the hospital from the air, look out for the patients. And uh, with all the guidelines that uh, we have to follow to please the Americans, it could complicate uh, the operation. And what's important for us to do is to not do anything that's going to put our soldiers in danger. And even if that means defying uh, some uh, American dictates, then so be it. So, Binyamin, on the subject of American dictates, American pressure and involved in this process, something really stands out about what went on last night, Israel time, because we saw headlines later in the evening that the White House had said, yes, we can now confirm ourselves that Hamas is indeed operating underneath Shifa Hospital. That was sometime late in the evening. Then wake up in the morning to discover that a few hours later, uh, the IDF has indeed moved into the hospital. And it's hard to miss the linkage, right? This is obviously far from coincidental. What it seems to me is when the US or when outlets such as New York Times report that the US has independent intelligence confirming Hamas being under there, I would hazard a guess that they have no independent intel more than they had two days ago. In other words, it was clear if the world's most robust democracy is providing pinpoint intelligence, sharing it with the White House as to what it is, well, they know now is what they knew a week ago. And so when we're hearing that the US is now saying yes, what they're doing is signing off on what Israel has told them. To, to me, that sounds like this is more an act of political will than it is, a, you know, some Kiddush of intelligence. Now, Benjamin, if that assessment is Correct. There is something in that vein that dripped out yesterday in a press conference. You have Yoav Galant, Israeli defense minister, suddenly saying, yes, we're going to go into southern Gaza. Now, we all know they need to go into southern Gaza, but we have raised on this podcast the suspicion that they're going to come under pressure to, to stop after the north. And now the fact that he could openly come out and say that yesterday, to me, these things mean one thing, which is that the White House, although it's backed down for its full-throated support from Israel and is increasingly talking about Gazan casualties, 
what their modus operandi is and could be going forward. Simply, they will sign off at the very last moment on incremental Israeli steps as they come off. And they will hold off on the grand pronouncements, sweeping uh, backing as a, a political tactic to keep their base on side. That's, to me, a working hypothesis. I would agree with that. And again, I'll just to sum up by saying that coordination is good between Washington and Jerusalem. Coordination is important. But again, we have to do what we have to do. And at the end of the day, Israel has to tell the United States, thank you for your advice and thank you for your help on this. But we have to do something differently than we have to be prepared to do it. In that vein, I want to switch to one other topic because yesterday, President Biden said that we're getting close to a deal for the release of the hostages. And a few days ago, when on Mozart Shabbos, when Prime Minister Netanyahu had his news conference at the Kiryat, at the military command headquarters in Tel Aviv, he made it very clear that we should only be listening to the official Israeli sources for news, and that we have to be very careful about other sources that may not be as authoritative. Now, I'm not saying that President Biden is not authoritative, but Shortly after Biden made his announcement, Netanyahu poured a little bit of cold water on that. And he said, we're not quite as close as you might think, and let's not get overly excited. Now, today I read a article by Yossi Yoshua of Ynet. He's one of their top military correspondents, and he raised a very important point. He said that the same people who are going to decide in Israel on whether to make a deal to, well, let's say, trade Hamas terrorists that we're holding in exchange for hostages are the same people who are responsible for the whole security failure that led up to this war. That's the whole military and political class from left to right, in my opinion. Exactly. And again, without naming names, he did. But he mentioned Prime Minister Netanyahu. He mentioned uh, the head of the Shabak. He mentioned the head of IDF military intelligence. So he wasn't afraid to name the names. And he makes a good point. What he was suggesting is two things. Number one, that you need a little bit of a wider decision-making process, which might be difficult because we know in Israel, the more people who know what's going on, the more people are mouthing off to the press. And that means more leaks and uh, less likely that uh, you'll have a hostage release. Uh, but the second thing he said, and uh, this is a, a point uh, that needs to be debated, he said that if all we're going to get is a partial release of the hostages, let's say if there's 240 and uh, we get 60 back or 80 back, and in return, we have to give away almost all of the security prisoners that we're holding, he said, we've got to think twice and three times whether that's a good deal. His suggestion is hold out to get every hostage back. In my heart, I would agree with him. In my head, I don't know that it's possible. But again, these are good points and uh, certainly points that need to be debated. But Benjamin, I think the head and heart dilemma is very much going to be de defining what goes forward because we know that there's only so much a government can withstand pressure if it becomes indeed the emotive issue that it could become. But Benjamin, let's just talk for a moment about the rally yesterday that you and I didn't go to simply because we were too many thousands of miles away. But uh, another 300,000 other Jews seem to have turned up then in, in D.C. and very, very impressive showings. So I have a couple of takeaways from this that I'd, that I'd like to share with you. Number one, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of coverage of this, and there already has been, there will be going forward because it's an impressive turnout. But to me, the best uh, meme that came out from there was a picture of the 300,000 gathered and then with the title, 20 million Jews rally in D.C., according to the Gaza Health Ministry. 
which I thought was taken from my playbook exactly about Hamas mathematics. 20 million, that would probably be all the Jews who've lived in America since 1900, and many of them are no longer with us. But okay, that's that's an impressive number nonetheless. Correct. Well, that I think was the point that it was a dig at the sort of willful credulousness of the media when it comes to Hamas, the nonsense statistics that they come out with. And so I was glad to see that some meme maker was thinking along the same lines. There's a lot to take away from here, but one thing that I did when I was watching Nathan Sharansky's speech, and it reminded me of a piece of family history, because he linked it to the show. He said in 1987, there were a quarter of a million, which was less, a quarter of a million Jews turned up as the biggest rally for let my people go to free the Soviet Jews. And he was basically saying, this is handing over the baton that you, younger generation, was appealing to them. You can become, the activists can turn this into something bigger. And a piece of family history that it reminds me of, because as we endlessly learned, when we were children, the story of my great uncle, Jakob, Jacob Birnbaum, who moved from England after the Second World War to when Soviet Jewry to New York to work on the Soviet Jewry cause before it was a cause. And he was one of the father figures and the central figures in the Soviet Jewry movement. And for that rally, he asked Shlomo Karlovach to come and he asked him to compose some type of song that was going to be the sort of the rallying cry. That was the source, that rally, and my great uncle fought for Am Yisrael Chai, what indeed was sung last night. So that's a bit of family law, but there is a very strong linkage, obviously, that Sharansky was making that is necessary to make over here. Because the question, Benny Amin, you can have a rally, will this turn into something long-term? Because I think there needs to be something long-term. Nobody should be under any illusions that this is going to be if we conquer southern Gaza that we'll be able to end this. We're going to be in Gaza. We're going to be dealing with this bleeding wound of Gaza for a long time. And that's without the decision to go into the north to take on Hezbollah. I think it's widely accepted that we're going to have to do so sooner rather than later because that massive, massive terror army, far greater capabilities, is sitting there waiting to pounce. We can't bring the peace back to the Golan, the Galil, anywhere. We can't send people home until we're dealt with. I think we're ahead. It's a generational thing which we're going to have to turn to a movement of far greater, more effective diplomacy and advocacy for Israel. And maybe this rally will be the trigger thereof. There's going to be political fallout for sure from all of the battles. And uh, we also have to remember, you mentioned diplomacy, that after the Gulf War, which Israel basically stayed out of while the U.S. fought and uh, helped defend us from Iraqi Scud missiles, the next thing that happened was the Madrid conference. And the next thing that happened after that was the Oslo process. So Israel has to be extremely careful to make sure that we don't fall into the same trap that we did back in the early 1990s, where we got the support from the world when it came to military attacks. But then at the same time, at the end, we were expected to pay a certain price politically. And we're all suffering from that price of the Madrid and the Oslo process to this day. Yes, I agree. Hopefully we can avoid the kind of siren song of this uh, peace utopia. I think that the Israeli left has had a terrible, terrible shock. And I'm not sure there's that much appetite over there for any of this kind of utopia. And we have suffered too grievously and we've lost too many. And I very much hope that they're, they're going to resist the temptation. I want to wish you a good day and to all our listeners as well. See you tomorrow. <laughs>